Hello and welcome to the Archbishop's Corner. This is where we meet each week to talk with Hartford Archbishop Leonard Blair about faith, morals, the life of the church today, and how the gospel makes sense in an ever-changing world. This is where we go to find the answers to our lingering questions about the teachings of the church, living the faith life of a Catholic in contemporary society, and developing a stronger relationship with God. I'm Father John Gatsack with many questions that you and I will ask Archbishop Blair as he responds to what matters to you in the Archbishop's Corner. A mother weeps over a stillborn child. A husband is torn from his wife by a tragic accident. The tears of an eight-year-old fall on a daddy's casket. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And the question wails, God, don't you care? Why me? Why my friend? Why my business? It's the timeless question. The question asked by literally every person that has stalked this globe. As the winds howled and the sea raged, the impatient and frightened disciples screamed their fear at the sleeping Jesus. Teacher, don't you care that we are about to die? With all the patience that only one who cares can have, he answered the question. He hushed the storm so the shivering disciples wouldn't miss his response. Jesus answered once and for all the aching question of man, Where is God when I hurt? Welcome into the Archbishop's Corner, where Hartford Archbishop Leonard Blair answers your questions from the most painful to the most profound. The following is an encore presentation of the Archbishop's Corner. This program originally aired on August 21, 2016, on the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. If you have a question for Archbishop Blair, you can submit that question by email to archbishop at wjmj.org. Archbishop Blair welcomes your question. Once again, that email address is archbishop at wjmj.org. Now we hope you enjoy this encore presentation of the Archbishop's Corner. Archbishop, it's good to be with you once again as we meet in the Archbishop's Corner. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. I have a question for you to begin. How old would you say that you have to be in order to be considered a senior citizen? Well, I'll go to the local drugstore and see when I get a discount. That's really what it amounts to. That's what it takes? I think so, because I'm happy to see sometimes now that... Well, I remember the first time somebody uh, didn't ask me for proof. I, that was kind of a downer, you know. Uh, but uh, they don't ask me for proof now that I'm a senior uh, at the age of 67. Of course, it's a subjective thing in one way because, uh, you know, people age differently and they feel differently and their health is different and they have a different attitude toward life sometimes. But I, I think that the uh, standard of about 65 sounds right for the purposes of uh, discounted uh, train tickets and uh, pharmacies. It's Senior Citizens Day today. This began with President Ronald Reagan. He made an official proclamation back in 1988 saying, for all they have achieved throughout life and for all they continue to accomplish, we owe older citizens our thanks and a heartfelt salute. We can best demonstrate our gratitude and esteem by making sure that our communities are good places in which to mature and grow older. So it's Senior Citizens Day. And believe it or not, Archbishop, you, you mentioned 65 as being senior citizens. Have you ever gone to Dunkin' Donuts? Do you go to Dunkin' Donuts? Occasionally, yes. Well, the senior discount at Dunkin' Donuts is 55, not 65, 55. And that entitles you to 10% off or a free coffee. Well, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Any words for our senior citizens, especially in words of encouragement? You know, when I think of, of being a senior citizen, 
and I, I'm sure many other people too, uh, you, you know, there's something about getting older, growing old, that we all fear. Is there anything about growing old that you fear most? No, I don't think so, except that uh, obviously uh, medical science is such in healthcare that we people live a lot longer than they used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can remember when I was a kid, it was not uncommon for people to die in their 60s, particularly heart attacks and things like that. But I guess if there is any fear, it's that uh, we have our wits about us and we maintain a reasonably good health uh, until we're going to leave this world. You know, and the fear that we could be somehow stricken with a debilitating disease or something like that. But that's where we have to um, put ourselves in God's hands, and we also have to take, try to take good care of ourselves, reasonably good care, uh, you know, that we preserve our health. And I also pray uh, always for the grace of a happy death, you know, that when it comes time to leave this world, you know, we're given the grace of uh, dying in, in, uh, in happy circumstances. And if I had any word uh, for senior citizens, it's that, you know, today there's such turmoil and the family isn't what it used to be, and communities are not as close-knit uh, as they used to be or, or as stable. And the importance of, um, of trying to be a stabilizing force and a source of some wisdom and guidance for our young people. Uh, I mean, we know that there are certain things you can only learn with time through age. You can't, it's not, it, it's just living, and, and uh, there is a certain wisdom there. So I would hope that our, our uh uh, older citizens, I include myself, uh, would not um, shirk the duty of bearing witness to the faith, to our younger people, and a certain wisdom about life. There's a great deal of wisdom that our older generations have to share with all of us, and don't be afraid to share it. Don't think either that, that perhaps, well, we're old-fashioned, you know, and therefore discount some of the wisdom that you know really works in life, right? Absolutely, or certain truths about life. Mm. Archbishop, let's now get everyone thinking about what they can do tomorrow as a small act of service for someone or as an act of blessing in someone's life, because tomorrow is what's called Be an Angel Day. I'm sure you have some ideas for people as to what they can do to be a blessing in someone else's life. Well, certainly. Of course, we know that we're not angels. We're human beings called to be saints, but I understand the meaning of the day that uh, to be a little, uh, to do, do a kind of good act or, or help to a person. Well, I just return to the fact that we're still in the year of mercy, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. If you do those or choose one of those, that's a perfect way to, to, to fulfill the, the day. Also, one last thing before we get to our gospel. Thursday of this week, August 25th, is the 77th anniversary of the release of one of the most amazing movies of all time, and that's The Wizard of Oz. Can you believe it? It premiered back in 1939. Do you remember, Archbishop, the first time you ever saw The Wizard of Oz? Well, I don't remember the first time, but I know when we were kids that it, it was shown only once a year on television around Thanksgiving time, and that's when I would see it. I can remember being so frightened the first time that I saw that movie. And as you know, there were no uh, VCRs and no nothing. I mean, if it wasn't on TV or in a movie theater, you, you didn't this is, exist. This is true. So that was the only time you had access to actually see it. Anyway, let's move right along and take a look at, at our gospel for today. Today is the 21st day of August, and the church's liturgical calendar reads the 21st Sunday in ordinary time. 21 must be our lucky number of the day. So today's gospel is taken from the 13th chapter of Luke's gospel, Take a listen to our gospel for the day, 
And after this dramatic presentation, we'll ask Archbishop Blair what he feels the Lord is saying to us through these words of inspiration. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Strive to enter by the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the householder has risen up and shut the door, you will begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. He will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There you will weep and gnash your teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. Men will come from east and west and from north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. So, Archbishop, let me ask you for your thoughts regarding this particular gospel. Well, this again is one of the, um, those hard sayings of the gospel. Again, we tend to kind of tame uh, what Jesus says to us and the truth that's been proclaimed. Yes, God is merciful, but God is also just. People ask, are there many to be saved or only few? And he says, enter through the narrow gate, for many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. Uh, and he, he will say to some, I do not know you, uh, you know, so depart from me. Uh, and that the last will be first and the first will be last. So these are all hard sayings uh, that remind us that we have a decision to make in life. Uh, Jesus says, you know, that we have to love God, we have to love him. But Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not just a moralism, you know, it's not just about keeping rules or breaking rules, but it's about directing our life in a fundamental way that is set on heaven and the things, uh, let's put it this way, to love the things that Jesus loved and to shun the things that Jesus shunned. And uh, that's the, the, the right way to get to heaven. So we have to, with God's grace, every day struggle to do that. None of us does it perfectly. Many times we fall. That's where God is merciful because he's always there to save us and raise us up when we repent. But repentance includes uh, a purpose of amendment that we're really going to keep trying. And that's what God asks of us sincerely to do. Now, let me, let me ask you this question. Jesus was asked the question, will only a few people be saved? And, and recognizing this year of mercy that we're celebrating now, if somebody were to say to you, Archbishop Blair, will only a few people be saved? Do you think only a few people are going to make their way to heaven? What would you say? Well, the, I would say any speculation on my part is idle. We do know from the scriptures that uh, there is responsibility, there's a call to conversion and faith, there is judgment, and that it's possible for us to reject uh, God, it's possible for us uh, to um, turn away from him in a definitive way, and that, uh, but who and how and why, you know, the scriptures say that God desires all people to, to, be, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God doesn't will for anyone to be excluded from heaven, but we also know at the same time that we're, we are given free will, even though it's conditioned by many things, um, but at the very apex of our being, 
there is a decision that we can make uh, for or against uh, God uh, and the truth of God and the things that God asks for and against love. So there is judgment. But how many, that's, that's in God's hands. And we have, to, we have to pray for the conversion of sinners. You know, that's a, a work of mercy too. We, have, we can't just sit around and say, oh, look at these people who do these terrible things. Uh, we have to pray for them that they will have a change of heart and be converted. That's a great act of Christian love, and it's also a very hard thing to do. You know, Jesus prayed for the people who crucified him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We have to do the same thing, and that's a very, that's the hardest thing of all to do. Archbishop, can we talk about the second reading in today's liturgy for a moment? It's from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews where he says, Brothers and sisters, you have forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as children. My son, do not disdain the discipline of the Lord or lose heart when reproved by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Endure your trials as discipline. God treats you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? At the time, all discipline seems a cause not for joy but for pain. Yet later it brings the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So strengthen your drooping hands and your weak knees. Question, Archbishop. What is St. Paul saying here? That, that we should look at our challenges and our trials in life as discipline from the Lord? Well, I, yes, and there are many forms of it. I tell our confirmation students sometimes, they say, look, you know, if you want to excel in sports or you want to excel in your studies, you can't sleep till noon and drink yourself silly. Uh-huh. Uh Sports requires discipline and practice and, uh, and, and even suffering, you know, in the sense that uh, it's hard uh, to train uh, to, to do these things well. Uh, well, why should we think that the spiritual life is any different? To train yourself spiritually, uh, you have to have the same willingness uh, to, uh, you can call it suffering if you want, but uh, and it and it is in some ways. But but you know the the the, the exercises, the the endurance, and and uh, that's just the way we are in a fallen world. So well, we've seen we've seen the the Olympics now for the past uh, few weeks, and 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 seeing these great athletes, it doesn't just come naturally to them. They've got to work hard at at being the best that they can be. Well, and that's, that's what you're right. asking for. That's what you're asking for in the spiritual life as well, right? Exactly. You, you put your finger on it. They have to work hard. And that is, you know, anything, any great work of art, any great accomplishment involves hard work. But why do we think we can be couch potatoes when it comes to the most important thing of all, which is the salvation of our souls? In a sinful world where we have much to overcome, uh, much to do, it's hard work. And so I, that's the discipline of the Lord. The discipline is the discipline of a loving parent, a loving father. It's not the discipline of some cruel God. Now, because of sin, there are many cruelties in the world, many horrible crosses that, that you know, God did not create. Sinfulness created them uh, at the root cause. But God is there to help us overcome them through our hard work by responding to his grace. But it requires effort, determination. And so many of our Lord's parables are about that, you know, about the person setting out to build a house and calculating the cost. And all. That's, all of these truths are in the gospel. So it's not a casual, easy kind of, uh, well, you know, I, I'm a good person. I don't hurt anybody. And that's, that's the end of my spiritual life. Uh, that's not going to get you very far. Archbishop, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with some of the questions that our listeners have submitted 
for you to, to take a look at, to answer. One of the questions is regarding terrorism. We'll be right back. If you have a question for Archbishop Blair, it's simple enough to get that question to him. You can email the question directly to archbishop at wjmj.org. Whatever the question may be about faith, church law, the commandments, moral responsibility, why it's this way rather than that way, it's your question. Ask it. Send an email to archbishop at wjmj.org. Or better yet, call with your question and leave a message on the Archbishop's hotline, 203-805-5047. You can voice your question directly by calling our comment line at 203-805-5047. It's easy, 203-805-5047. Every question needs an answer, and we'll get it here in the Archbishop's Corner. We're in the Archbishop's Corner with Archbishop Blair, the Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Hartford. Linda from New Haven says that she saw online that a Monsignor from Washington, D.C. is offering training to prepare priests and other church members to deal with the trauma that follows an act of terrorism or large-scale tragedy. Linda says, what do we have in place in the Archdiocese of Hartford to deal with such an act? Well, Linda, I, I can't say that I know that we have anything very specific in place, but I do know that with this repeated uh, incidence of horrific acts that, that can happen, there are resources available when needed. I'm happy to know that you found one inside the church, but there are also those in, in society in general. Uh, you know, for example, how to deal with school children who've witnessed a terrible thing, or anybody for that matter. Uh, so I hope that we will never need that in the Archdiocese of Hartford, but it's a ti- your question is a timely reminder to me that we have to be alert and vigilant and be prepared to know where we might turn for some particular spiritual as well as psychological uh, assistance. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Archbishop's Corner. This program originally aired on August 21st, 2016 on the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. If you have a question for Archbishop Blair, you can actually voice your question by calling the Archbishop's hotline at 203-805-5047. Archbishop Blair welcomes your question. Please call 203-805-5047 to voice record your question. Please continue to enjoy this encore presentation of the Archbishop's Corner. Diane from Waterbury says, Forgive others and find peace is what Pope Francis said on his trip to Assisi. Easier said than done, in my mind. No matter what I try, I can't seem to let go of past hurts, especially when they involve people I love. This is causing me constant pain and tension in all aspects of life. What can I do to learn to forgive? Well, Diane, I'll certainly keep you in my prayers. I, in the past, I've, I've said uh, on, in this program, I think, that we have to remember that these are not acts of, these are not things of emotion, but of the will. Now, I don't mean that there's a total divorce between how we feel and what we will. But my point is that we may not feel like forgiving somebody because of the hurt, but we have to will to want to forgive them. We have to, and that means asking God to give us the grace of forgiveness. And for some people, that may take a lifetime. For some, the feeling may never come. But God looks uh, favorably and gracefully upon the, our desire to want to forgive. And that's what we, because if we don't have a desire, if we don't, if, to, to forgive that, you know, Jesus said some very harsh things. He said, unless you forgive one another, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. You know, what we were talking about before, about <laughs> eternal life and salvation. That, what, a, what, a, 
that should give all of us pause. Unless you forgive one another and others, God will not forgive you. So that's enough either out of fear or out of love of God to realize we better get cracking here and, and if we're in that situation and ask God to give us the grace to forgive. And, the, and we want to cultivate the will to forgive, even if we don't feel like it. Diane, what your question reveals tells us that the one suffering from the lack of forgiveness most of all is you. It's causing you constant pain and tension in all aspects of your life. So unless you let go, you know, when you die, you got to let go of everything, whether you like it or not. So why not get a jump uh, on on it now and really try with God's help uh, and with prayer and scripture reading and such and, and talking to other people who can help you. Why not just let go? And I'm sure it, it can, uh, I have every confidence that it will be extremely re- liberating for you. See, if we put everything in God's hands, if we want justice, we'll just give it over to God. God is perfectly just, perfectly merciful, and perfectly just. And in the end, in eternity, we will see that in every situation. Until then, we live by faith. In other words, God will fight your battles for you. Absolutely. Archbishop I understand that Lords in a Day pilgrimage is coming up. Can you talk a little bit about this Lords in a Day pilgrimage, what it is, and, and why we should know sure. about it? Sure. Well, you know, just there are various uh, organizations, societies in the church, orders, lay orders of people. For example, the, we, we often speak and are probably most familiar with the Knights of Columbus in the church. But there's another one called the Order of Malta, which is a very distinct uh, ancient historical group. Uh, of of lay people who are part of this order and also clergy, but principally laity. One of their their great traditions is to bring the sick and the infirm to Lourdes, France every year in May for a great pilgrimage of the sick. And they accompany them, uh, everybody, but those that can go on a given occasion. But here in uh, in the Connecticut, the, the um, uh, order of, the, of Malta, the knights and ladies, would like to have this Lourdes uh, pilgrimage uh, symbolized in, in just one day for those who can't go to France at our seminary chapel in Bloomfield, St. Thomas Seminary in Bloomfield, on Saturday, September 10. So this is like a little mini pilgrimage, local, that brings the sick uh, for mass, opportunity for confessions, the anointing of the sick, a lunch, workshops for the sick and their care, uh, caregivers. So it's from like 9.30 in the morning till 4.30 in the afternoon. You know, pilgrimage is a big part of the Jubilee Year of Mercy. So mm. this year in particular, this is very important that there's this uh, little uh, one-day pilgrimage. Uh, there's a gentleman named Mark Sullivan who's organizing it. Uh, you can call it 860-523-1405. That's 860-523-1405 to in- learn more about this. I don't usually do uh, these kind of uh, commercials, if I can call it that, on on the radio. But I do think this, I've been asked to do this, and this is a very worthy uh, thing for the sick and for their caregivers on September 10th. Just a reminder that the anointing of the sick is actually the sacrament of the sick that takes place for those who are eligible. Yeah, for those whose circumstances uh, commend them for receiving the sacrament. Maybe, maybe what we want to do, Archbishop, is talk about who should receive the anointing of the sick. You know, it used to be years ago, we used to call it extreme unction or the last rites and think that you have to be on your deathbed in order to receive this. In other words, your, your death is imminent. 
in a couple of hours well, tomorrow. Yeah, it had kind of evolved that way, but the the reforms of the Second Vatican Council were not to create something new or, or, or invent something, but rather to get back to the oldest traditions, the origins, uh, uh, the uh, most authentic understanding of what the sacrament is. And so it wasn't meant just to be in extremis uh, at the last moment, but rather it's meant uh, to be a sacrament of what Jesus did throughout his ministry, that is to healing of body and soul. But it's not just for uh, any situation. It's for those who are seriously ill or for people who, because of age or infirmity, are really, um, they are infirm. They're very weak in their, in their physical condition. So, for example, if a per- person were very elderly, uh, and uh, were were uh, arthritic. Uh, yes, they weren't. They weren't suffering some life-threatening disease, but they were in that kind of what we would call infirmity. I guess that's the best word to use. Then they would certainly receive the sacrament of the of the sick, or could. But it's not just meant for people to get some kind of uh, personal healing or strength. It's meant for an actual physical condition of infirmity or 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 uh, weakness or illness. And the power in the sacrament is not only spiritual, but physical as well? Meant to be, yes, to strengthen us in body and soul. And I might add one last thing to, to qualify what I said about uh, receiving it. It's also for people who are going to undergo surgery. I mean, when they actually are going to, before they go in the operating room, they're not necessarily showing the symptoms of serious illness, but uh, it is meant to be also for them uh, because clearly this is a, a serious health uh, issue to have surgery, and so they can be anointed before. Well, some even say that any surgery is serious <coughs> surgery, too. Huh? Well, I would agree with that. Archbishop, we have a question from Gerald from Hartford. Gerald says, Recently on the television mass, under the prayers for the deceased, there was the name of a Jewish man, a well-known member of the community, who died as a Jew. Is it appropriate to pray for a person who is Jewish at Mass? And can a Mass be offered for a person who is Jewish or non-Catholic? Well, the answer is yes. You know, that the Church has a pastoral care for all people. You know, as Archbishop, this, this sometimes is a frightening thought that by the Church's understanding of my role as being a successor of the Apostles and meant to be a shepherd after the heart of Christ— I am not just responsible for the Catholic people in the three counties of the Archdiocese, but before God, to the extent that I can do something for their for spiritual well-being, I am responsible for every single human being in the three counties uh, in that special way as bishop. And that extends to the priests and to all of our people. That's why Pope Francis talks about us being a, while Jesus says you're the salt and light of the world, you're you're, you're also uh, meant to be a missionary. When it comes to prayer, we certainly should pray for those who are not uh, Catholic or even not baptized. We should pray for all people. And as far as offering Mass, there's nothing to prohibit us praying for uh, or offering the sacrifice of the Mass for uh, someone who is not uh, Catholic or even who is not Christian because we, we commend everyone to the, to the love and mercy of God. You'll notice in the Eucharistic prayer sometimes, it, I can't remember the exact words, but it'll say, for our brothers and sisters who have gone before us in faith and for all those who have you know, died in your friendship or something like that. That distinction is right there, because when it, we say brothers and sisters, we mean those who are Christians, those who are baptized members of the church. But when we say, and for all those whose faith is known to you alone, or for all those who have died in your friendship, 
we are precisely remembering uh, those people known only to God who have gone into eternity and who, who never knew or perhaps could not know uh, Christ. Uh, only ju- God can judge them, and we ask him to be merciful. So someone who goes into a rectory and says to the priest, I would like to have a Mass offered for such and such a person who is Jewish or who is uh, Muslim or what have you, who is not a Christian. We can be praying, and that Mass can be celebrated on behalf of this person. And the priest doesn't have to say, well, this was this a Christian person? Was this uh, person a no. church-going person? We wouldn't offer a requiem mass where the prayers are talking about somebody being baptized into Christ, you know. Obviously. Right, we're not talking about celebrating a funeral for somebody who is not no. a, a Christian or Catholic. No, no. Well, uh, certainly not for someone who's not a, um, uh, a baptized person. That, that, that wouldn't make any sense uh, uh, because that's not how the funeral uh, liturgy is, is uh, intended. But certainly praying for the eternal rest of those who have, uh, of everyone, that, that's perfectly legitimate. Archbishop, we've come to the end of our time together this morning. Can you conclude our program with a prayer and a blessing, please? Heavenly Father, as the summer season moves forward and as we thank you for all the blessings that we receive through all the year, we ask you to look with kindness upon us, our communities, our, our parishes, our, our country, and our world, that All of us may be attentive to the need to strive every day to be converted more to loving you above all things and our neighbor as ourself. And may Mary, our mother, intercede for us, especially for our country as our patroness under the title of the Immaculate Conception. And may Almighty God bless you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Archbishop, once again, thank you for inviting us into the Archbishop's Corner. We look forward to being with you next week, Sunday at 7 o'clock with a repeat again at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. In the meantime, have a wonderful week. Thank you. You too. Thank you.